spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 124th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, the weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. It is Monday. Uh, you will be arriving here actually the day this comes out, so that'll be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to a mini vacation from work. How excited are you? Oh, I'm I'm pretty excited. I haven't actually had a like a solid break since Christmas. So it's gonna be good. I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of weave or PTO, whatever you want to call it, it's kind of saved up. So I've been waiting this quite a while. You? Do you, uh, I have some. Is, is your company use it or lose it? After a certain point, yes. I'm okay. not to that point yet. Um, I think actually by the time I do hit that point, I hit the next ceiling. So right now my ceiling is at like a certain amount of time. Before I hit that, I'm going to hit another ceiling. So it's one of those gotcha. deals. But yeah, no, I'm not anywhere near it yet, though. Gotcha. Okay. Now, we haven't talked since the last preseason game. Um, how is the general atmosphere in Arizona going into the season that starts next weekend? Well, you know, we didn't win and we didn't lose because basically we were supposed to play New Orleans in New Orleans. So the game got canceled. Oh, so hopefully. Right. Hopefully everyone in New Orleans, you know, if you needed to get out, you got out. And if you didn't get out, hopefully, you know, you you're rode okay. through it. Hopefully you're doing good. So the uh, yeah, I saw already that they're rescheduling or they're moving the Saints Packers opening week game or whatever. Um, I feel like they said they were moving it to a Atlanta, Georgia, maybe or something like to the Falcon Stadium or something like that. Yeah, I think that they're planning on also moving a uh, Tulane, which is a college in New Orleans. They're planning on moving that game also. Uh, the reason why they didn't just kind of move the Cardinals-Saints game was because it was just a preseason game. didn't uh, matter. They, so just they just canceled They it. just mixed it. Yeah, gotcha. basically the Cardinals players were on a plane over Texas when it got canceled. So the plane just kind of turned around and went home. So, yeah, uh, yeah, like Phil said, we hope anybody who's living out there is okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, hurricanes, they're sneaky, sneaky, dangerous, aren't they? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it would be absolute fucking hell if another, you know, you don't even want to say it, if another like Katrina happened out there with all the, the levees and everything. Hopefully, all the levees hold up this time. Hopefully, the Army Corps of Engineers did a good job rebuilding all of them. So oh, yeah. Figured all that out. You know what I wanted to tell you? Um, so I've been on TikTok a little bit, right? Uh, and, yep. I, and I tend to look into the weird stuff like the reptilians and UFOs and stuff like that. I've never seen people trying harder to fake UFO videos than I have on TikTok. Yeah. Well, everyone's looking for that fame. Yeah, you know, it's you can monetize that, too. If you have a TikTok video that, you know, kicks off, if it looks good enough and it kicks off, you can get a lot of money for that. So, yeah, there's a yeah, there's a lot of people who make a lot of money. There's like a girl who is TikTok famous who is now has her own TV show on Hulu or something like that. So, yeah, I guess you can make it anywhere. But uh, anyway, before we dive in this week, Phil, um, you said you wanted to pose a question to everybody and what is said question yeah so there was a situation this morning um i was coming into work and basically i was out on a four-lane street uh my like we had the red light there was two cars in the oncoming traffic lanes uh facing me and there was no car right next to me so basically what happens is the light was about to turn green because the other side of the road the walk sign had like you know, three, two, one, and then a red hand. And right before it'll, um, the, the yellow light turns from red, yellow to, to green. What happened was 
basically I got there when it was almost green. That's when uh, a homeless person decided to cross the street in front of us. And he was crossing the street uh, on the other side that I was on. So he wasn't crossing right in front of me. He was crossing on the other side. But obviously, since he was crossing right when the yellow light turned on, I didn't go anywhere because I didn't want to, you know, didn't even want to come close or anywhere near hitting him, even though he was illegally crossing the street at that point. Problem is, in Arizona, and probably much like anywhere else, in that situation, if there's a car that comes up on a light that's green, like that turns from red to green, and they have like a clear path to go, they'll just gun it and go, you know, 45 miles an hour straight through. So if there would have been a car on the other side of me, he would have been absolutely, you know, just demolished by a car because he crossed right at the worst time. I was thinking in this all day today, in this environment with COVID and everything like that, if there is a homeless person who needed CPR, would it like, would society like, how would society feel if someone like refused to like deliver CPR, uh, like with all the COVID stuff, with everything going on? Do you think they would be bad? Do you think it'd be good? Like, because I know CPR and everything from the military, and I think I'd, you know, obviously, you know, render aid, give CPR. But I wonder if other people like wouldn't in this time of, you know, with all the disease and everything. Honestly, my honest opinion, I think in a emergency scenario, people wouldn't even think about it. In my opinion, I don't even think that thought would cross your mind because your body is so juiced up on adrenaline. You wouldn't even think twice about it. I don't think. You don't think so? Well, no. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Some of the people in Arizona, I, I doubt. There's a lot of people in Arizona who like in the city who wouldn't even stop. I don't think. <laughs> but because Min- Minnesota obviously has a lot nicer people. Yeah. You know. It's funny but you brought. Just, it's funny you brought that whole thing up because I, this is unrelated. But I heard there is was a shooting due to a road rage in, incident, and the guy in the Twin Cities here got killed and they can't find who the sh- where the shooter went. Yeah, that kind of shit happens all the time in Phoenix, in, yeah, look, in the Valley. Look, I, I get it. Everybody gets frustrated in a car, but goddamn, killing somebody for it? Come on. Yeah, there's that, and there's also wrong-way drivers at night, people who are vi- highly intoxicated, just getting <laughs> on the wrong, you know, getting into the wrong lane of traffic and just gun, you know, going yeah. like 80 miles an hour down the wrong side of the road, smashing into somebody. Yeah, let's say this Labor Day weekend, everybody, don't drink and drive. Have a sober cab, yeah. get an Uber, they're openly available. Don't be those dumb shits that drive yeah. around Lit- drunk. As my like my experience last weekend, Lyft and Uber is starting to like open back up. So the past couple months, Lyft and Uber have been really dragging, but they actually there was some Lyft and Uber drivers out. So hopefully with the Labor Day weekend, you know, we start seeing some people out. So Well, I have a you don't feeling need to drink and drive. I was gonna say I have a feeling our fans are very intelligent and are like, I'm not getting in that car and driving. But anyway, speaking That's of good. um somebody who might have drunk <laughs> Who might have drove drove and drunk back in the day? You ready for this episode? <laughs> you are the king of segues. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, that will make sense once we start talking about the year and the gentleman. So okay, let's kick off here. The UFO event we will be talking about today is unlike anything that we have talked about before on this show. The main reason this alleged UFO is so unique is because it involves not just a singular person. Not even just a couple people, but apparently an entire squadron of soldiers. And according to the main source for this event that we'll be uh, talking about, the protagonist, um, apparently the aliens have quite a bit of trouble hypnotizing a large group of soldiers, as we're about to find out. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the Fort Benning incident. Have you heard of this, Phil? No, I have not. I I may have heard about it. I've heard about a lot of UFO stuff, but um, there are some stories I've heard from, you know, like soldiers, uh, you know, military personnel with UFOs. But no, I don't believe I've ever heard of this this incident. Okay, now Fort Benning, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of an infamous place, not like necessarily bad, but very famous. 
Um, remember when I did that D.B. Cooper series f- fucking forever ago on Bumblebutt? Yeah, I bought the T-shirt. Yeah, do you, I'm pretty sure that guy who we thought was uh, D.B. Cooper trained at Fort Benning for, I think, the Marines. Oh, I'm not exactly sure. But, uh, yeah, Fort Benning is a it's, it's a pretty big army base. Maybe it so. was the army. I know it was some sort of special forces or some shit like that for Vietnam. So, yeah, I, I remember hearing about it before. Um, but it's since you were in the service, you kind of you've definitely heard of it before. Oh, yeah. No, I, I've heard of it. All right. Well, the uh, the main source of information for this entire event comes to us hand delivered by a man by the name of John Vasquez. Uh, excellent name there, sir. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about the backstory of John Vasquez outside of when John joined the Army National Guard located in San Diego, California in February of 1977. It's odd that he didn't join the Navy if he lived in San Diego. Oh, yeah. They do have a big fleet uh, in San Diego, don't they? Yeah, and it's right on the coast there. You'd think he would uh, kind of join up, you know, seeing the Navy ships all the time. Maybe he didn't want to be a seaman. Yeah, possible. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I what I wonder what National Guard base there would have been there. Or do you think it's just a recruitment center, possibly? Well, I mean, they come in all shapes and sizes. Uh my the base that I was at for the Air Force was basically located on the grounds of like the the airport. So in Phoenix. Gotcha. So, I mean, it could be the Army National Guard bases. They could be like an actual base base. It could just be a building that's located next to like a school. Like who knows? Mm. It may come in all shapes and sizes. Or it could just be an office, you know, for you to uh, trying to recruit you into the National Guard. Gotcha. So, yeah, in your city. So Well, after he uh, he enlisted there, he trained at Fort Leonard Wood in Missouri before transferring to the regular army sometime later in 1977. So he apparently started off as Army National Guard and then just went full-time army. Um, I thought this was really interesting. Fort Leonard Wood? What? And I looked this up. This is a legitimate base name. What a weird name for a base, right? Yeah, I have heard of Fort Leonard Wood. Um, there are some people I've met in the Air Force who did their some of their training at Fort Leonard Wood. Interesting. So I didn't realize it was uh I didn't realize it was actually spelled like a, a man's name though. I thought it was just like like one word, like Leonard Wood. You know, it's kind of it, weird. But I, I don't is it? I don't know. The like uh Wikipedia had it like this. Because I was checking oh, I meant, yeah. Because when I was reading this, I'm like, is it Fort Leonard in Wood, Missouri? Because that's kind of how it read, but apparently it's just Fort Leonard Wood. No, yeah, I've I've heard of Fort Leonard Wood before. I just didn't realize it was one word. But yeah, it's gotcha. a it's an army base in Missouri. But it is um he joined the Army National Guard, but it like that same year he just kind of jumped right into full right in right into active duty. So he did join it at a very good time though. This is right after the Vietnam War. This has <laughs> been perfect timing to join the army. Because well, you had about fourteen years of not doing shit basically. Well, you're going to find out maybe he had joined it at the worst time, Phil. Uh, Oh, okay. After he trained at Fort Leonard Wood, he then joined Delta Company 1st Battalion, 1st Infantry Regiment at Fort Benning, which is located in Georgia. So I don't know exactly what all those mean, but I'm assuming it's just kind of his squadron, right? It's his designations, yeah. So basically he... It's all of the ones he belonged to. So gotcha. I don't know. Okay. I for Delta Company, First Battalion, First Infantry Regiment. I don't know if that's there's a the first regiment I thought was the big red one. I'm not exactly sure. That's the the famous one from World War Two. I don't know if that would classify as that. I have a friend who's in the army who knows quite a bit about it. Well, you have used to, to be in the army. You have to ask him. Um, that will become important at the very end of the episode. His like, uh, apparently whatever you call that uh, comes into question, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. It all kind of breaks down. So basically uh, in the air force, how it breaks down, there's wing, then there's group, 
then it goes down to squadron, then it goes down to flight. Flight's kind of like the smallest one that you're in. And then it goes up and up and up till you get to wing, which is your entire base. So I guess it's it's the whole thing just like that. So Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yep. That makes sense then. Um, now, according to John, the event that uh, precluded the UFO event kicked off at 7.30 p.m. on September 1st, 1977 ironically september 1st uh what two days from now right yeah two days from now now someone by the name of captain k (laughs) ordered all of the soldiers outside which ended up totaling around he estimated 1300 men they were all standing in formation while captain k was delivering to them a welcome speech john claimed they were standing in formation for about 40 minutes at that point Um, All of a sudden, a soldier that was standing in front of him turned around and said, look to the right, you'll see a star there. Now, this is not the main event, but it's kind of a foreshadowing of there's something weird going on here. Now, when you first transfer to a base, do you, does your captain give a speech to everybody or no? Or is this could be a special thing for them? Well, I mean, 1,300 brand new people at one base. That's kind of I, odd. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a little weird. I mean, I was in the Air Force, so we do a lot. I mean, we we don't do like the, you know, foot in your ass type stuff like the Army wants to do, especially back in the 70s. Back in the 70s, they would punch you in the face for fucking up. So that like that kind of shit, um, like wall to wall training, basically the old school way. You but wanna... yeah, having a having a meeting at seven thirty at night's kind of a little weird, especially when you bust out thirteen hundred people. That's like yeah. an entire base is thirteen hundred people. I think that's what they were kind of pointing at, and as we're about to find out, it's about that how m- that many soldiers who are going to be involved in like the the main event here. Um, speaking of punching people in the face here, Phil, I watched a video today of a priest giving a baptism. And the baby was crying and he slapped him across the face. <laughs> and the dad like ripped the baby out of his arms. It was kind of fucking wild to watch. Wait, the priest was baptizing a baby, dunking it in water. And when the baby started crying, he slapped the baby in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I guess, <laughs> I guess they're not allowed to molest him anymore. So they got to do something to him. But yeah, I, Christ. I know. I was like, what a, Jesus. What a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because the dad was like sitting there like, what are you doing, dude? And then he eventually just like took the baby out of his, the priest's arms. <laughs> and I'm sure he told him yeah. he's not going to get into heaven now or some horse shit like that. But uh, yeah. Oh, like, I'm sure the dad was like, why is, why is the God man slapping my child in the <laughs> face? <laughs> Apparently he wanted to discipline him. All right. Now, are you ready for the main event? Yes. All right, so the date in question, when this all begins, we don't know the exact date, apparently. It's just sometime in that exact same month of September of 1977. Um, The first UFO event kind of happened, I guess, on his first day there. And then this probably, if we're following the time frame, maybe a week or two after he's been there. But but John said it all started uh, at night again. They were all called out of their bunkers. John recalled it being a very hot and humid night, which you would expect for uh, Georgia. Now, according to him, there were over a thousand soldiers who were ordered to stand in formation in a large open field. And John claims this wasn't a normal practice. And he remembers him and many of the other soldiers feeling quite nervous about why they've even been called out here in the first place. Now, it's like... And we have to keep in mind, it was Cold War times. They were trying weird things. They were afraid of the Russians, obviously. Maybe it was a special training. Maybe it was, I don't know what. That was kind of my first thought. What do you What do you feel? Have you ever had to do something like this? If I was pulled out of my bunk, like in the middle of the night on just some like random day, I would assume that somebody fucked up and we were all being punished for it. Uh, there were situations where you would come in on a Saturday or a Sunday morning you would be called in in your dress blues because someone's wife got caught driving drunk. So all of the airmen were in trouble, basically. Ooh. So like that situation would happen when someone was in trouble. 
The shitty thing was it was always like a master sergeant's wife who got caught drunk driving, probably on her way to her <laughs> boyfriend's house, basically. She got caught drunk driving. So then all of like the all of the E3s and below were getting in trouble for a, a sergeant's wife getting pulled over, you know, drunk driving. So I would assume in trouble. But yeah. Now, I shouldn't I should maybe I made it sound like it's the middle of the night. Allegedly, this is like seven thirty eight o'clock. So at night at night, which I guess is still kind of late, probably definitely dark there and everything. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. He, well, it wasn't like midnight. It was like eight, eight o'clock. I think he said seven thirty eight o'clock. You got to think, though, too, every single one of those people, unless they're working, unless they're working like some kind of guard duty, like guarding the base, guarding the area. Most of those people are probably waking up like four thirty in the morning. So right. a lot of them are just getting ready. They're probably playing cards, smoking cigarettes. It's a seventies, so they're if they have TVs in their in their, I don't know if they live in barracks or whatnot. But if they have little TVs, maybe they're playing cards, drinking. But they're all probably settling in for the night. So. Yeah, yeah. What is even on TV in the seventy-seven? The honeymooners. Ooh. I love Lucy. I don't know. Mash. What is uh? God, what's that? What's the what's that one show with the uh? The racist dude, the <laughs> all in the family. I think that was on oh. during like the late seventies. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah, I could, <laughs> I could see I them that watching that. <laughs> but anyway, now it was while John and his fellow soldiers were kind of standing in this big open field that John started to hear rumblings about people talking about seeing something weird in the sky that appeared to be coming directly in their direction. Now. People started talking about seeing something in the sky, slowly started to evolve into the soldiers starting to yell and freak out and very scared about what was approaching them. Now, from this point, what they're seeing, basically, keep this in your mind, is like a very bright light, kind of like very far in the distance that's making its way towards them. Now, naturally, okay. naturally, John himself, you know, he's seeing the other soldiers Uh, around him kind of freaking out a little bit he starts to get very nervous about he can't quite figure out what's going on and he's kind of looking around to see what the how the other soldiers are acting around him Uh, and now John claims it was at this point where he kind of looks around at everybody and he starts to notice that a significant number of soldiers besides him beside him were standing in their formation uh, still but they were completely asleep almost as if they were like paralyzed or frozen in that state somehow now i don't think this is that uncommon if we from all the abductions or or whatever alien things they always seem to be able to like freeze people you know what i'm saying yeah so my first thought is you were saying that people were starting to run scared starting to you know break ranks it's highly undisciplined if they're just like running away you know, without being told to leave. That's it's pretty undisciplined. Um, but I mean, yeah, that is what you would expect in if you've heard like stories like this of some people being frozen in place. Um, kind of like almost almost like they're hypnotized or in a daze. You know what it um, kind of, but yeah, it's it kind of reminded me of when we talked about the Philadelphia experiment. Obviously, I think that whole story is bullshit, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like freezing in place, that's kind of how he described it. And the other thing I want to ask your question or ask you a question here. Um, I kind of got the impression that the second time they were called out, it wasn't necessarily by a captain, but like maybe the, if this story has any validity to it, like some sort of force was telling them to come outside. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so they weren't, they were like coerced. Okay. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't, it wasn't like an officer telling them to get outside. It was like basically just a voice in their head telling them all to go outside. He doesn't explicitly say that, but he also never says that the captain ordered ordered us outside or anything. Um, and as okay. we're about to find out, he does he does hear voices coming from somewhere. Also, I didn't really ask is he is he doing some kind of training right now? Because yeah. I'm trying to figure out if he is stationed on this base permanently or if this is some kind of like detachment where there's basically like 1300 
1300 soldiers who showed up at this base to do some training because it doesn't sound like they live here full time doesn't sound like they're on they're on like on um on a post you know that is the impression i got is they came here for training like advanced training okay. of some kind gotcha okay that makes a lot more sense because you said that he gave thir- the captain gave 1300 people a welcome speech and I yeah. was like, how in the hell are there 1,300 brand new people on a post at one time? But yeah, if it's a if it's a training situation, if they're part of a detachment, then that makes sense. That's, okay. That's imp- it makes a little more sense. That's the impression I got because, as we'll find out, he's not at this base for very long before he's shipped off again. So Yeah, so he's, he's just doing a little training here. Yeah, so, okay. that, that's gotcha. the impression I got. Um, obviously, there's like a book he wrote that you can buy. For $20 on Amazon, sorry, I'm not going to sp- <laughs> read that fucker, but no. from what I got from the internet, from people who probably did read it, um, he he's not the best at like significant details like that, as far as I can tell, but we'll, uh, we'll keep talking here. Now, this is when John really took notice of the bright lights that were now covering entire swaths of area, um, still, again... He wasn't sure exactly what was going on, but he vividly remembered the men who were being caught under the light were Mm. screaming and yelling, almost like they were in some sort of significant pain of some sorts, which I'm not going to lie, probably scared the shit out of me. And he claims there was a female robotic voice that he could hear yelling, it's okay, don't be afraid. Now, okay, would this be your... Would this be a reason <laughs> to break rank, Phil? Oh, yeah, this would be. I mean, if you just saw some lights coming at you, yeah, you know. If you if you were in formation, you know, your your instinct while you're in formation is just to kind of stay in formation, to not move. Because you basically spent all of your time in basic training. If you even, like, fidgeted a little bit, you would get yelled at. You would have a guy with the knife hand in your face, you know. You've seen it on movies where they, like, stick their hand in your face. So your instinct is to hold still. But yeah, if there was this situation going on where it was just basically a fucking like a melee, it sounds like a fucking movie where what's uh, the fucking Tom Cruise movie where everyone's running around getting zapped. And especially when you said there was a robotic female voice saying to everyone, it's okay, don't be afraid. That's the thing that would make me most afraid (laughs) (laughs) if those things were running around zapping people saying, it's okay, don't be afraid, you know. I envision at Amazon warehouses, there's just Jeff Bezos' robotic head flying around saying, it's okay, don't be afraid, keep working. Yeah, that's exactly what a fucking, every time I took that cat to a vet, that's exactly what that, like the female nurse that was giving it shots. It's exactly what she would say to the cat. It's okay. Don't be afraid. And then give it a fucking shot right in its neck. <laughs> like, oh, well, Jesus. Okay. But yeah, you kind of nailed it. Everyone keep in mind, there's all these soldiers out there and they were in a field in formation. And the way John makes it sound, they're kind of all just, um, you know, running in different directions and, some are getting, they're slowly all getting caught in the light, essentially, um, yeah. eventually. Now, John, at this point, still hadn't quite decided where he was going to run off to. And he claimed that so far, him and at least the men who were still around him were completely fine. Uh, and they were kind of wondering, are they under attack by something? Is this a drill? Or they couldn't really figure out what exactly they should be doing. Um, so John decided to start running towards his barracks and a bunch of the men that were around him followed him. Now, because these barracks were on stilts, you know, they had a little crawl space. So him and the other soldiers crawled like basically right in the middle of the barracks and kind of just were hiding there to try to figure out what to do. Um, I'm just, this is completely irrelevant, but are barracks still built like that where they're kind of like rose up on like stilts, you know? Well, the so in the Air Force, you kind of stay in dorms more. You're not okay. really in barracks. So barracks is kind of a place where you, on a, on a permanent post for the Army, from what I understand is a barracks is a place where like some of the junior enlisted will live, and with, it's where everyone works kind of deal. Gotcha. So, but this is, if this is just a training center, it's more like a camp, like a summer camp, 
where I imagine, yeah, if they're on, um, especially Georgia, it probably rains quite a bit. You know, they don't want all of that water to get in there. If this is a, if this is a base that's only used for training, then they don't want to have to constantly be cleaning out, you know, like water damage and shit. So I can imagine, yeah, it being on stilts. Also very good place to run and hide is underneath those barracks. I mean, pretty good idea yeah probably better hiding in there than in the buildings themselves right absolutely that's what i thought too is like you can kind of see what's going on without them necessarily being able to see you especially since you know they're in the sky you know what i mean yeah the only thing is probably well it's one of those situations where do you go grab your gun you know like is it better to be unarmed in that? Cause you're so, you're so outgunned. I mean, obviously your instinct would be, I got to go grab my gun just in case, you know, they depart those ships and start doing, you know, house to house inspections basically. Right. But right away, it's not good to have your gun because those, you know, the, the flying officers or whatever could, you know, just kind of take you out right there. Right. So. Exactly. So I don't know. Well, I'm about to answer your question there in about two seconds okay. here, Paul. It's best just to hide and regroup. Yeah. Until you figure out what's going on. Well, John and the other soldiers that were underneath this barracks um apparently just continue to watch the the lights kind of like scanning the area. You can kind of envision what that looks like. Um almost yeah. like they were the lights were looking for any possible stragglers that were kind of still running and hiding. Now, the men under the bunker decided like you said, they wanted some firearms just in case, but they were they had to go into the bunker or they had to go into the barracks that was literally right above them, which meant kind of going into the light itself. So John decided he was going to try to make a beeline to the front door of those barracks, and he crawled to kind of like the edge of the crawl space, and he claims his visibility was essentially blacked out because it was such a bright light. So he stuck his arm out into the light, and according to John, it was so bright, he couldn't even see his arm as he stuck it out out there. So mm. that's very UFO-y, in my opinion, there. But John was still determined he wanted to get those guns. Now, John then quickly ran out from underneath the crawl space, and he almost made it to that front door. And the second he tried to open it, he, f- he claims he felt like as if an arrow had struck him. And then he felt a second something hit him, which he claimed both were extremely painful. And after that, John just completely blacked out. Now, yep. I don't know. Never really heard of if it was a UFO, like them shooting him with some sort of dart or something, right? right yeah, I don't know. It's kind of odd. I mean, it. I've never really heard of anyone who kind of got like taken up by the white saying that they felt like they got like hit with something normally that's the moment that they black out or they immediately wake up and they're inside the ship they don't remember like being in the light so this is a little odd this is where i think this story is interesting is because it almost seems like if this is aliens okay air quoting here um they probably would have a lot of difficulty like rounding up a thousand humans versus like maybe one to three of them you know what i mean well normal Normally you hear about them taking someone out of a car or a bedroom. They're already, you know what I mean? They're already kind of confined when the aliens get to them. Maybe this is kind of like their training situation. Could They're be. They're trying to figure out how do we, you know, how quickly can we take a thousand, you know, like, and it's not like they're rounding up old people or little kids. <laughs> they're taking young men in their prime. You know, this is kind of like the ultimate challenge of there's a thousand able-bodied 20-year-old men, trained killers, out in the field. How long can you go round all of them up? You know, one of those situations. Right. Well, uh, I will actually be informing you of apparently why John claims that they abducted these men. Now, this these next few parts here. Are kind of we've I've ran into this scenario fo- before. I'm pretty sure you have as well. Where you have kind of two sources giving differing experiences about what happened to John next, and I'm not really sure which one came out of his mouth right after it happened or what. It, anyway, I just kind of blended them together, and you can kind of just make your own decision here. 
The scary thing is when it might have been both coming out of his mouth. Right. That's right. Sometimes you run into that where they might give one interview like one year saying one thing and then a different interview a few years later saying another. You worry about like running into that too. Yeah, absolutely. That's know. that's just part of the gambit with UFOs, honestly. Um, yeah, now, you hope for consistency, but yeah. <laughs> now, John claims that after he was awoken after being knocked out, uh, he awoke to find himself in kind of this large warehouse-like building, and he's hearing another robotic voice say to him, how do you feel? Okay, I don't know what this robot thing is. There's allegedly greys are robots. Some people believe that, but that's neither here nor there. Now, upon John looking around for a little bit, he he noticed there was like rows and rows of slabs in this warehouse and on all those slabs were many of his fellow soldiers laying in an unconscious state. So, yeah. but he he wasn't awake for too long before another voice said to him, "Go to sleep," and then John blacked out once again. So, yeah. uh, I don't know if the second voice is robotic or not. As we're about to find out, he the aliens are communicating with him telepathically. So, but we'll get into that. But uh, the rows of uh, slabs in a warehouse-like building, um, I feel like I've heard that kind of before. How about yourself? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, the Matrix movie. There's also, you you do hear a lot of people who are in like the situation where they are abducted from a vehicle, and everyone who is in that vehicle, when they wake up inside the, the spacecraft or flying saucer or whatnot, they claim that they see everyone who was with them in the vehicle in that room with them. Right. So this is kind of weird because it's he's claiming he's seen uh, a, a lot of people. He didn't, I don't know if he quite said like a number, if he sees all 1,000 or just many of them. Right. But right. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah. It's very interesting. I don't, I what, don't know. It's kind of odd. What time, like what is, what was the end time frame of um, like MK Ultra? I don't know. And it's funny when we get to like the what actually happened. Let's come back to that because okay, uh, it's kind of in the in the theories a little bit. We'll come back. I to just that. had that. I just had that thought. And then I realized like, shit, this might be this might be part of the theory. Right. But it does feel a little MK Ultra. -y. Right. Like what's going on. Right. Yeah. Right. And this is like, I'm not sure. I think MK Ultra is more of the 60s, but. As we'll find out, I think Fort Benning might have have might have been doing some weird shit kind okay. of around this time. Now, when John was awoken for the second time, he found that he was completely unable to move, which is pretty common in abduction cases. Now, standing over John was some sort of creature that he described as having a large, lumpy head, no ears, a small mouth and nose, large black eyes that he claimed looked Almost as if they were liquidy. Never heard alien eyes been described as that. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> but uh, excuse me, average Pittsburgh resident, where <laughs> am I? Please let me go. No, I don't want to do meth with you. Please, just I want to go home. <laughs> Maybe this is a Pittsburgh native here. I don't know. Now, according yeah. to John, this creature didn't. It had a mouth, but it did not speak through the mouth. It spoke. To him telepathically and uh, while speaking to him telepathically he demanded that John look into his eyes now after John was coerced into doing that the creature showed him kind of a vision of the future in this vision John found himself being surrounded by uh, oceans and, and water kind of alluding to the notion that there was going to be a great flood also in that same vision, John saw a planet being destroyed with a large fiery explosion. Um, and after he kind of witnessed that vision, John was put out again. So I think what he's getting at kind of in this is they possibly showed him a vision of what humans are doing to the earth. That's kind of what I took out of all of that whole thing. Um, but again, one source, he says that happened. The other source doesn't mention any of that so i don't know take from that what you will yeah i wonder you also wonder too like the source that 
like put this out there? Did they kind of add that in for their own little little means? You know, like yeah. their own, their own, like for if you were big into like the you know climate, right? Um, and you wanted that to be like, oh, look what the aliens are telling us because they have that you know that extra special wisdom that yeah. the aliens have the right. the extra rub basically for your little idea is if it comes from God or aliens or, you know, malevolent beings, basically. You know, you know what that kind this kind of reminds me of, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't this happen kind of in contact at the Ooh, contact at the end um, where like Jodie Foster, like goes to that weird world. Right. And then she, doesn't an alien like tell her all the shit's going to happen. She meets, uh, the alien, comes to her as her father um, on the alien planet. And he basically says that human alien relations are going to like start up now. And basically they were going to help humans not, I think it was, yeah, I think it was something like help humans not destroy the earth. Yeah. So a little bit like that, but yeah. Very uh, interesting. The dude, yeah. The, the dude from that Michael J. Fox movie who played the serial killer, he's in that movie. He actually blows up the first uh, spaceship. He was also in Starship Troopers. Gotcha. Neither here nor there. Gotcha. Okay. That's very, uh, man, I, I, I'll admit, I haven't watched the full movie, but I've definitely seen like the uh, the last like half an hour where she does yeah. that. And then aren't they like, they're trying to figure out because her ball drops and they're like, time didn't move, but she was gone in her head forever. Isn't that kind of a thing too? Yeah. Basically they had, a re- they had a recording device on the spaceship or on the you know dimensional ship whatever it was and they said he turned it on and said see all that it recorded was static and then the lady says yeah but it recorded 18 hours of static that situation yeah i remember that it should have only recorded 10 seconds of static but it really recorded you know a shit ton of time of static so right trippy movie all right now anyway this is uh where this kind of gets really weird so now, when John wakes up for the the next time, he woke up to find himself lying in a normal army medical unit, very confused how he had gotten here. Now, the first thing he did was check to see if he had any bullet wounds or like puncture wounds because he remembered feeling himself being stung by something before he got knocked out the first time. But he claims yeah. body was completely clean, couldn't find anything, any mark, any anything like that. So he asked whoever was caring for him, you know, had you guys experienced all of that crazy shit that happened last night, the bright lights and everything. And that guy said, I have no idea what you are talking about. Um, He did inform John, though, that he was in that ward because he was suffering from some sort of virus or flu that... Oh, God, it's the COVID. Oh, my God. <laughs> it strikes again. <laughs> if we remember from our Plum Island uh, episode, Phil, do you remember during the 70s, what was the big one everyone was afraid of? Ooh, uh, the Lyme disease from ticks. Was it? No, no, no. It's the airborne horse uh, mouth and hoof. Was that what that thing's called? That oh. cows get or that like animals get? Hoof and mouth, yeah, from uh, from cows, the British cows yeah. that were acting, you know, they had uh, basically their their brain was becoming like liquid. They were, you know, they couldn't walk and they weren't able to eat. Hoof and mouth disease. Yeah. yeah. Dude, that's just, oh, if humans got that, they'd be fucking terrifying. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this medical personnel kind of kind of tells them that's what happened to you, John. You just had... A virus of the flu. Now, this is kind of where it gets even more interesting. Oh, Go ahead. Sorry, mad cow. I'm sorry. It was mad cow, not gotcha. hoof and mouth. Hoof and mouth is something that we had to deal with on the farm. But no, it was mad cow disease. Sorry. That's still prevalent, and I think that's still scary. Yeah, hoof and mouth was pretty scary. That one was, for animals, that's pretty scary. So. Yeah, absolutely. Now, anyway, um, after John recovered, he was, you know, he returned to his normal barracks. And he started asking out uh, around about the night in question because it was so vivid for him. He still thinks mm. that that's kind of what happened. But not a single soldier seemed to be able to remember anything. Now, they told John that there had been a huge measles outbreak. And those men affected by it had been isolated in different medical units. 
Now, during this time period, at least, John just assumed that he must have had a hallucination or something from, I guess, measles. I don't even know if that can do that to you. Um, and he kind of just returned to life as normal, at least until he started to experience weirder things. And kind of this information that he got or that we have here is from him um, doing the memory regression, which we'll we'll talk about later here. But um, measles okay. outbreak, did they have the vaccine for that in 77? I guess it didn't check, but... That's the... Measles was still pretty big during that time. We just talked about the vaccines a year ago. Um, measles, mumps, rubella is MMR. Yep. That one, uh, ooh, I don't know. It would have been close. Okay. But I do know that measles and mumps was a big thing during, like, I think we said the 50s. So yeah. yep. it might have it might have been cured by then. It's one of those diseases that was almost eradicated. I know during like maybe the 90s or 2000s. But then there were anti-vaxxers who, you know, didn't vax their kids and they, it came back. But yeah, I I do believe that they might have had it by then. I would okay. guess yes. All right. So this is what I thought was interesting that the medical guy who woke him up just said you had a virus or a flu or something, but his own soldiers are like, no, no, no. There's measles out everywhere. Doesn't it seem a little weird? Yeah, it does. I mean, it doesn't seem weird that a doctor has a terrible bedside manner and they're just kind <laughs> of, you know, like I, I'm only here to see you for 10 seconds before I see the next guy. Shut up. I'm just looking at your chart and walking away. I'm I'm doodling right now. I'm not, I don't care. Does your dick so. work? All right, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's uh, let me go into these other weird events that apparently came immediately after John's UFO experience. Um, now these are really weird. So, uh, and this is kind of how we know that John was here training because John and a small group of other men were sent out into the forest, kind of practicing different maneuvers. They were kind of supposed to go from point A to point B, doing something. Not really sure what. Mm. Um, and they claim as now this happened to all the men. Keep this in mind. They claimed as they were walking to their next destination, they were following a very obvious common walking path. OK, you know, it's very obvious. A lot of people travel down this to get to where they're going. Now, John and yep. his fellow soldiers then came across a base camp that was complete with a mess tent and had a bunch of random military equipment. Now, what makes this weird is John... And the other soldiers that passed by it, they claimed that just as they passed by it, they passed by it a second time. Now, they claim it felt like an instant replay of the same moment that they had just lived. Now, to make things even weirder, the third time they passed by it again, but this time there's no base camp at all. And so they tried to use their radios. Radios did not work at all, and they checked their watches and no time had passed at all as they okay. kind of passed this whole this whole little, I don't know what the hell it is, honestly. I was going to say that is kind of scary because every time you're in a video game and all of a sudden you just randomly come up upon like just a, a cache dump of weapons and food and all this health stuff, that means that you're about to fight the boss. So <laughs> I would definitely go and make sure I'm full up on everything. Because they were about to go fight the big bad guy. You think so, robotic yeah, Adolf Hitler was waiting for him at the other pace like in Wolfenstein? Oof, could have been robot <laughs> Abe Lincoln for all we know. There you go. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of weird. It's, so here's what I just kind of had the thought. And I realize this is the MK Ultra stuff. But it does seem like he is doing quite a bit of hallucinating. Or yeah. if not just him. Other people are maybe he just maybe he's a little special and he just kind of remembers stuff that everyone else forgot. But it does seem like they are having problems with, you know, hallucinating, kind of like uh, figuring out how long things take, kind of like maybe there's an airborne drug or something. Right. Right. And uh, as we'll find out, I think John kind of feels the same way you do as well now. Okay. Now, John claims a few days after that weird-ass event happened, him and that small battalion of soldiers 
were once again out in the woods training. And John claimed that everything pretty standard, pretty normal. They had just been walking through the woods as normal. And all of a sudden, they passed through something that he believes was like kind of like a dimensional barrier. And he claims okay. after he passed through it, they saw dark shadow people kind of walking back and forth. And they'd kind of walk by and then they'd vanish. And then another one would walk by and vanish. And as he walked a little further, all of a sudden, they were just back to their own normal reality. So it's almost <laughs> like they went into <laughs> like a, I don't know. I don't know. This is what he claims. He went into like a little dimension or something. Have you ever seen the movie Young Guns? Uh, I have not. <laughs> so there was a, there was a point in the movie where they don't know where to go. So one of the guys who's in the group is uh, like part Native American, part Mexican American. And he basically gives the group, uh, it, it's Billy, the, the story of Billy the Kid and his gang. They give He gives the group peyote. And basically what they do is they just kind of like ride their horses uh, through a like an Indian camp well, high as fuck on peyote. And one of them says, they can't see us, Chavez. We're in the spirit world. Because <laughs> all, all of these Native Americans are looking at these dudes like, who are these crazy motherfuckers? Like, just walking through here, you know? But you, it's kind of what it reminded me of. Uh, maybe. Like, I, oh shit, they're shadow people. They can't see us. We're in the spirit world. <laughs> maybe this whole story is the the story of when John Vesquez uh, smoked a marijuana cigarette. With Emilio Estevez, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. I haven't finished it, but uh, last podcast on the left, their coverage of Billy the Kid, pretty good. Oh yeah, it was good. Yeah, I've uh, I'm on. They I just did uh, part three. I believe they have part four coming up. Okay, so it's it's been pretty good. Yeah, very interesting. It's a very interesting story. Now, after all of that, uh, John Vasquez. Had been at Fort Benning a little over a month, somewhere like that, before he was transferred overseas to somewhere else to do some other mission, whatever. Um, now, he claims the second he was away from Fort Benning, never experienced anything sort of like a time or dimensional anomaly where he didn't have any alien experiences. But the one thing that John claims uh, changed in his life forever after leaving Fort Benning was... He had a lot more like ghost experiences or like those type of paranormal events always seem to follow him. Now, I feel like I've heard this kind of thing before that like once you if you if this was an alien or something and you kind of cross over that threshold, then you kind of always are involved in it. Yeah, I have heard that, too. Um, I also wonder about like you hear about some people doing you know, kind of hallucinogenic drugs, uh, psychedelic drugs. Sometimes they have flashbacks. Right. And right. sometimes, so if you didn't realize that you were on some kind of like psychedelic or hallucinogenic drug, maybe you have like a flashback. Yeah, and that's you very see something possible. crazy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's incredibly possible. Uh, but, oh, I was, I was going to say too, yeah. I have also heard of people who, once they have... Once they experience, like they have the near death experience, uh, your favorite movie, The Frighteners, Hell Michael yeah. J. Fox. Hell yeah. You know, he has that near death experience. He experiences death for firsthand, and now he can see ghosts, that kind of situation. Right. Or there's people who see aliens, and now they claim they can sense when aliens are, you know, in Kinda the skies, nearby. and then they show up. Right. You know? Right. Very true. Well, let me tell you these last few uh, bits of information. That's kind of the end of John's story there. There's kind of some interesting uh, military records that kind of come around this event. Now, the military does show records from September 1977 claiming that Fort Benning did, in fact, have a rubella outbreak, uh, which, like you said, is kind of a form of measles. But I don't know if this is weird or not for 1977, but... They didn't contact the CDC, even though the CDC was like very close to them. <laughs> Do you mm. think that would be weird? Um, no, they handle it in house. Yeah, I'm okay. sure they would rather, you know, contain it themselves, especially um, if you're, you know, it's 
they don't want to give control over, especially if they're doing like kind of maybe sensitive training or something like that. They don't want to have a bunch of, you know, government types, some, some suits on base, you know, you (laughs) honestly, when you're in the military, you just want to, you know, keep everything as, you know, on the like low key as possible. You don't want, you know, like uh, OSHA, they have a, like, you want to try to keep everything in house so that OSHA doesn't have to get involved. OSHA is obviously like all the safety stuff and, you know, health hazards, whatever. So you want to keep everything like on the, like down to the lowest level. That's what the big thing about the military is try to keep everything at the lowest level. Yeah. So yeah, I can you- imagine, you know, keeping the CDC out of it. So I imagine they, at this time, I'd be kind of feeling a little embarrassed if they had an, a measles outbreak. Maybe they weren't wanted to keep it on the DL. You know what I mean? Like you just said. Oh yeah. Well, if they have if they have soldiers coming in from all over the place coming here to do the same training, it's not unusual for you know disease outbreaks. I mean, hell, when you first get to basic training, everybody is sick because all these people. There's planes coming in from you know Cali, Minnesota, New York, you know Florida, all over the place going to San Antonio, Texas. All of those people, if one person brought, you know, one type of flu, everyone's going to catch it in that in that flight. Right. Now it just happens. Doesn't matter how much you clean. Now, the the second kind of interesting thing is that the military has records that John Vasquez did suffer from the injury or the illness at Fort Benning. And yet the military has no record that. Delta Company, 1st Battalion, 1st Infantry as a unit or whatever had ever existed. So that's kind Mm. of interesting. I don't know if either he's lying about what unit he was in or um, that they're trying to pretend like that whole thing didn't exist at all, which kind of leads me into what John says is he doesn't necessarily believe it was a mass UFO abduction. He thinks this is what he genuinely believes is that because it was kind of during the Cold War that the army was actually testing some sort of weaponry or something on the soldiers at this base or like testing yeah. something like that. That's what he thinks. That's what he thinks. They were like guinea pigs for something. Yeah, basically, it kind of sounds like they they scrubbed the operation or they they scrubbed everything except for the medical records of all the individual so- soldiers. That would probably be the hardest thing to scrub. So yeah, it's easy to scrub out like it maybe it never existed at all. Like oh, you're in Delta Company, 1st Battalion, 1st Infantry, blah blah blah, you know. And you're all broken up into these squadrons. And in reality, it's, oh, it never existed. We're just, you know, we just called you in and told you this is what it is. But, or maybe they scrubbed it and they just kind of forgot to scrub the individual medical records, um, you know, because they're all going to be separated. So, obviously. Okay, so what is what is your initial impression? Like, what are you feeling? Ooh. What do you kind of, like, gleaming from all this information, what are you feeling like? happened here it does kind of feel like it is some kind of it feels like mk ultra i'm gonna stick with that i mean it may have been some kind of secret tech like mind altering like you know maybe it was like using fuck it uh you know something to manipulate like your brain waves or some shit like that but it, i'm gonna stick with mk ultra Possibly the light they saw was like a crop duster. And it's just like the that that first Batman movie right before the Dark Knight. The Scarecrow character uses like the mist and drives people crazy. Right. I wonder if it was something like that. And then all that's why all of a sudden everyone starts freaking out. You know, oh, they're, like, I, look, I, like they're using the crop duster to spray something on them. Yeah. Or there's some kind of it's. There's some kind, something happens. Basically, everyone's like, oh, what's that? And then all of a sudden they get sprayed. All like a mass, mass, you know, delusion happens. Like, remember when I said, wow, they don't have very good, you know, military bearing or, you know, really how they all kind of like lost their discipline, like immediately and all started running around. And then that's when he started seeing the the UFOs and the lights and grabbing people and, you know, seeing all this crazy shit. And just running and hiding. Um, I think maybe that could be kind of it. That's all, of course, if this isn't all just bullshit. Something that he made up. 
So I don't know. Does he have any other witnesses to this? Is now, it just him? Now, okay, here's what I've garnered from my reading. Initially, it was just him, but then other soldiers started doing um, kind of the hypnotherapy and stuff because they felt like they had almost like PTSD from something when they were here. Mm. So there was something that like traumatized them. Now, if it was MK Ultra or some weird experiment like that, that can definitely fuck you up, give you trauma. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was a big, God, that was big with the CIA. They were doing a lot of stuff like that. But I could see if they wanted to do like a mass experiment, they would, yeah, there's there's a lot of people in the army. There's not a lot going on right now. There's no Vietnam War. So you got a lot of, a lot of soldiers just kind of hanging out, you know, probably you know, pretty easy just to do this. To me, it's, so. it, to me, this is what I kind of feel like happened. They put them all in like a field kind of when it was dark and stuff and then had like those some sort of craft or some vehicle that kind of like projected bright ass spotlights on them more or less. And mm. I, I kind of, tr- I don't know, like tricked them to think it was like an enemy invasion or something, kind of saw how they reacted. I don't know. Or like they were testing something on them. That's the, the impression I'm getting. I don't know if it's a hallucinogen or what, but I feel like they were testing something on these people at this base. Yeah. And it, and it wouldn't be hard. It's It's not like these were a bunch of soldiers back in the 30s and they wouldn't know what a ufo like an invasion scene would be they were all in their 20s during 1977 78 which means that they were all children of the 50s back when the first like ufo movies were coming out 50s and 60s and so i would imagine soldiers during this time were probably would you say pretty afraid there's a war where like nuclear bombs are going to be launched from russia or something Oh, well, I mean, that all died down kind of during the 70s and 80s. Um, that was more of a 60s thing where everyone was kind of on a knife's edge with global nuclear holocaust. But, I mean, it was still a real thing. So, yeah. it Yeah. So, I don't know if they could have been on edge for that. I don't really know. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's very strange. I, I find this story fascinating. Yeah, a lot of them also just got back from, you know, Vietnam in the past couple of years. They'd probably had a lot of them good drugs, you know, <laughs> back from uh, Southeast Asia. So maybe they're, you know, maybe it had something to do with that. And uh, who knows? added to the fact that it was a horrific war that left many people with PTSD, severe PTSD. Oh, yeah, definitely. And yeah, the well, one of the most... One of the worst part of parts about that, everyone thinks it's kind of like the best. I actually had a buddy who was trying to explain it to me. Um, basically how when you would come back from like how how much action you saw during Vietnam compared to like previous wars. So in previous wars, you would be basically just marching around a lot and maybe not see as much. But then from World War One up to Vietnam, it just got more and more fighting to the point where you were basically just fighting like barely any just kind of hanging out at the base time you were just fighting and also you didn't have to be at the be in a boat for months at a time coming back home all of a sudden you were able to come back home like the next day so you might be in a rice paddy fighting people like killing people with your bare hands bayonet to bayonet the next day you're eating breakfast with your family your wife's bitching at you because the kid didn't do his homework or whatever you know yeah a lot of that stuff a lot of PTSD going around. Isn't the uh, guerrilla warfare kind of a big scary thing as well? Yeah, it's it's a big part. Psychological warfare is a big part with guerrilla warfare. Just the fact that they could be anywhere. You could be attacked at any time. That's right. a that's a big thing. Um, that's a lot of uh, with the with the IEDs with the improvised explosive devices. A lot of that was just to break morale. You know, uh, seeing all yeah. your friends die. Right. You know, seeing your buddies get their, you know, vehicle blown out or whatnot. Right. Right. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary, scary stuff. I feel terrible for the people who had to live through that shit. But uh, anyway, um, let's uh, let's pull us in the station here. Uh, Phil and I think kind of both came to the agreement that this probably was some sort of U.S. military um, experiment on these men. If he's telling the truth at all. Oh, go ahead. 
also, I was going to say, too, this is not like if the aliens do have like an MO, like a certain way of doing things. This is not how aliens do this sort of thing. They don't like go attack a group. You know, they don't go abduct a group of people, like a large group of people. It's very small. It's very localized. It's they'll take, you know, somebody out of a room or out of a car. They don't go and grab an entire group of people out of a field. You know, right. totally against what they their per usual of what they do. So could they have been drunk? Possibly looking for <laughs> some action. Yeah. Just a bunch of drunk lost aliens and they're like, oh, let's fuck with the humans. All right. Yeah. But anyway, Might have been a bachelor party of some situation. <laughs> but anyway, I want to first off, thank our new patrons. Thank you so much for supporting us. I hope you're enjoying our movie reviews. We've kind of have two episodes right now we have Lilith that uh, Phil and I did which was actually more of a movie and then we just finished Venus Mantrap which is I don't know it's something it's not I don't know it's <laughs> fucking terrible uh but you, uh, you but, keep you keep saying it wrong it's Venus Guy Trap Guy Trap it doesn't matter it's stupid anyway <laughs> but uh but yeah both those audios are out Go ahead and listen, Phil and I. Phil's going to be the next up next with picking a film. We'll probably be recording that in the relative future here. Uh, if you'd like to support us on the Patreon, help us out, throw a few bucks our way, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash subliminaldeception, and it will take you right to our, uh, our page. You can kind of pledge at whatever you wish. Uh, we give stickers and we have audio. It's kind of where we're at with it right now. And thank you all to those who are supporting us. Now, Phil, if uh, someone wants to reach out to us on their feelings of what happened at Fort Benning, where can they do that? They can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We've heard from a lot of great fans over the past couple of months now. Uh, a lot more, you know, fans writing into us than we've seen in the past two years have hit us up in two months. So thank you very much for that. It's amazing uh, how much you know traction we're starting to get. Also, want to get a hold of us? Probably an easier and even better way: our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, really, I mean, it's great hearing from everybody. Uh, we get you know tons of likes now. We get tons of comments. People, you know, really seem to enjoy the pictures that go along from the episode. So thank you for that. Uh, it's also great to hear, you know, just the positive feedback. Uh, Cody and I both have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is sdpodphil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Cody'sabub. Uh, I haven't been posting as many memes, but uh, maybe I'll get back on that eventually. The last thing we need you guys to do is to log out of iTunes, leave a show five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say. Hopefully, you just say something nice. There has been a lot of you that have been leaving us a review, so thank you very much for that. Uh, also, if uh, you're a Spotify user, it's much easier. You just got to hit that follow button, and it helps shoot us up the uh, charts and helps get the show to a larger audience, which is the ultimate goal and we greatly appreciate everyone who's taken the time to do those otherwise guys we will see you next week. thanks guys